We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 396 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, September 9th, 2022. It is the first football Friday of the Commanders 2022 season as the NFL's 2022 regular season is underway. And how about our reigning defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams? They got spanked. On opening night, on Thursday night, a 31-10 home loss to the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Rams had been 5-0 in week one games under head coach and, of course, a former Redskins assistant, Sean McVay, make that 5-1. and one. Uh, Actually, this is the first time that the Rams have been below 500 at any point in a regular season since McVay became their head coach beginning with the 2017 season. How crazy is that? Uh, The team that we now call the Commanders, uh, it unfortunately has been below 500 a time or two (laughs) over the last few years. What will be the case come Sunday around, say, 4.30 p.m. Eastern? Will the Commanders have won their regular season opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field? Hello and welcome to a Commanders pregame show installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We have a lot to get to over the course of this show. Next segment, the very latest on injuries for the Commanders for Sunday against the Jags. Uh, Safety Cameron Curl, tight end Logan Thomas. Where are we with those guys? Uh, You will hear from offensive coordinator Scott Turner, some good stuff from him on the Commanders situation at tight end and on the Commanders' potential abundance of playmakers and on one of those playmakers in particular, receiver Curtis Samuel. Uh, I will give you my season prediction for the Commanders as well. After that, a special guest, Jags insider Hayes Carlion of the Jags flagship radio station 1010XL and 92.5 FM in Jacksonville. Hayes will provide us with high-level intel on the Commander's Week 1 opponent, including something that the Commander's offense can potentially exploit and some story time on the fail that was Urban Meyer 
as Jags head coach last season. You know, thank goodness that the Redskins did not hire Urban as their head coach in 2019-2020. Remember when that was a potential thing. Uh, And then after our conversation with Hayes Carlion, the season debut of Rhyming Keys. My keys to a commander's win over the Jags in rhyming fashion, and I'll give you my prediction for the game. Also on the show, Goldilocks, my previews and picks against the spreads for Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Each team will be in action on Saturday. The Terrapins are at Charlotte Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Midshipmen are home to Memphis Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Hokies are home to Boston College Saturday night at 8. The Cavaliers are at Illinois Saturday afternoon at 4. I have multiple anti-public play picks for you this week on Goldilocks. And I'll talk Nationals. Uh, They on Thursday afternoon won again a seventh victory in 11 games, an 11-6 win at the National League Central leading St. Louis Cardinals for a four-game split. The Nats had one of their best offensive games of the season, including a monster game from their number nine batter, Alex Cole, who wasn't even supposed to start the game, but ended up being the starting left fielder due to Victor Robles having a stiff neck. I tell you, the Nats hitting lately has been quite good. Uh, Now, starting pitcher Josiah Gray on Thursday afternoon was not good. That was disturbing, Uh, but the Nats bats have come alive. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, I do want to mention two things. Uh, First of all, we on Thursday did have the sentencing of former Washington safety DeShazer Everett. Uh, DeShazer Last December 23rd was the driver in a fatal one-car crash in Loudoun County, Virginia that killed the vehicle's passenger. The passenger was 29-year-old Olivia Peters. Uh, She was from this area. She attended Our Lady of Good Counsel High School in Olney, Maryland, went on to attend the University of South Carolina as an undergrad, then attended Shenandoah University, where she earned her master's degree in occupational therapy. Uh, DeShazer, this past February 8th, was charged with involuntary manslaughter in the death of Peters. DeShazer, this past July 19th, pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of reckless driving in the death of Peters. And then we on Thursday got the sentencing. Uh, DeShazer Everett was sentenced to three months of house arrest, was ordered to do 100 hours of community service, was fined $2,500, and had his driver's license suspended for six months. Uh, the judge, Deborah Welsh, uh, she called Peters' death, quote, a tragic accident, end quote. She told DeShazer that Peters' family, quote, didn't want this to destroy and quote, his life. Uh, so that was interesting. And she also ordered DeShazer to do a public service announcement, quote, to be circulated to the NFL, end quote, about the dangers of reckless driving. So obviously a horrendous tragedy. Uh, the punishment for DeShazer Everett could have been a lot worse. Uh, the commanders this past March 16th, just hours before the start of the NFL's new league year at 4 p.m. Eastern, released DeShazer Everett. So he is long gone from the team. Uh, This season would be his age 30 season. I would think that his NFL career is done given that, you know, he wasn't some great player to begin with, although he was a good special teams player and he was a hard hitter as a safety. So I guess it's possible that his NFL career isn't done. But of course, what matters the most in all of this is Olivia Peters and her family. And uh, when it comes to DeShazer, I mean, look, I don't wish anything bad on the guy. Okay. I I cannot imagine the guilt that he must have 
over this. Uh, also, rest in peace, Bernard Shaw. Uh, Bernard Shaw has died at the age of 82. You know, the death of Queen Elizabeth II at 96 was not the only prominent death that we learned of on Thursday. Uh, Bernard Shaw died Wednesday at a Washington, D.C. hospital of pneumonia unrelated to COVID-19. His family made this announcement on Thursday. Bernard Shaw was CNN's first chief anchor and was with the network when it launched on June 1st, 1980. He retired from CNN after more than 20 years on February 28th, 2001. But for our purposes, Bernard Shaw was a massive Redskins fan. Uh, He had a very strong relationship with the team. He actually was good friends with Dan and Tanya Snyder, so much so that the commanders on Thursday afternoon put out a statement from our co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder. The statement read in part, quote, we are absolutely devastated by the passing of one of our dearest friends, Bernard Shaw. Bernie was not just a great friend, but an extension of our family. We had the privilege of traveling the world many times over with him and his wife, Linda, and shared amazing times together. His passing will leave a lasting void in our lives. Bernie made a tremendous impact on our family and was always there for us. We will remember and cherish all the great times we spent with him and his family. End quote. Um, I got to tell you, something that I will never forget is hosting the official Redskins postgame show of the Washington Redskins radio network on the night that the Skins beat the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 of the 2012 season to win the NFC East. What a night that was, right? And one of the things that I'll always remember about that postgame show was Bernard Shaw unsolicited calling into the show And he, with his great deep voice, was talking skins. You know, he goes, hello, Al. And he he starts talking about the game. It was great to have the great Bernard Shaw call in to the official Redskins postgame show on that unbelievable night. So rest in peace, Bernard Shaw. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. More feedback on the blatant disrespect of our Commander's QB1. Carson Wentz, via these recent rankings, which have been ridiculous, uh, the ringer ranked Carson Wentz as the number 28 quarterback in the NFL. Those ahead of him included the likes of Marcus Mariota, Geno Smith, and Daniel Jones. 538.com's NFL quarterback ratings for the 2022 season had Carson Wentz as the number 34 quarterback in the NFL. Those ahead of him included Colt McCoy, Drew Locke, Case Keenum, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Nick Mullins, and C.J. Beathard. Uh, yeah. Email from Gerald. The whole thing just seems hateful. Email from Kim. That ranking you mentioned is horrible. I realize that we have some young quarterbacks to contemplate, but geez, Carson is better than his ranking. Just dumb. A tweet from Mind After Math with a rhyming key. Off these rankings of Carson Wentz, writes Mind After Math, if we want to improve the ranking, gotta deliver the spanking. (laughs) I like it, Mind After Math. The season debut 
of rhyming keys later in the show. Email from Eric from Weedman on a potential nickname for the Commanders, the Mandos. Uh, I brought this up on Wednesday's show, episode 394, off the Commanders on Tuesday announcing that they have an official dog for the 2022 season. Yes, a dog. Uh, The dog's name is Mando. Uh, Mando was named by Commanders players. Mando is training with a special group, canines for warriors to soon become a service dog for a military veteran in need. Writes Eric, Mando is the nickname for the Mandalorian, an imposing fictional Star Wars figure who fights with a moral code. As far as the Star Wars geeks go, a solid nickname. Uh, Thank you for that email, Eric. I had no idea. I am not a Star Wars geek. I'm a geek with other things, uh, not with Star Wars though, so I did not know that. But I tell you what, I do know that if your lawn is looking like Chewbacca, uh, you gotta get with Weedman. Weedman cares for your lawn so that you don't have to. Weedman provides what your lawn needs to look great. Fertilization, weed control, aeration, seeding, and a variety of other services. If you do not have the time or the knowledge to make your lawn look great, no worries. Let Weedman take care of your lawn and take advantage of a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price in aeration and two-fall fertilization services for just $219. Uh, that's about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. A beautiful spring lawn starts in the fall, so take advantage of this special offer and put Weedman to work for you. Weedman is a national network of locally owned franchises, so you'll receive the personal service that you deserve. Uh, Weedman answers your phone calls and emails promptly. Weedman does what it says that it's going to do. And all of that sounds simple, I know, and all of that is simple, but all of that isn't nearly as common as it should be. Uh, also, Weedman uses superior products that really improve your soil. Uh, Weedman's products are of the highest quality. Uh, Weedman does not cut corners, and Weedman only treats what needs to be treated. If you're not satisfied with your lawn, if you're not satisfied with who is treating your lawn, get with Weedman and take advantage of this special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a fall tune-up at a great price in aeration and two fall fertilization services for just $219. Again, about $100 off the usual price for those services. Call 571-340-3400 and mention the Al Galdi podcast for the special offer. That phone number again, 571-340-3400. And make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast so that you get the special deal. Uh, you could also Google Weedman and make a web request. Just make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Weedman, a great lawn at a great price with great personal service. All right, so the Commanders on Thursday practiced in preparation for their regular season opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Thursday had the exact same injury report as we had on Wednesday. Uh, Safety Cameron Curl on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. He's dealing with a thumb injury that required surgery, suffered the injury in the 24-14 preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on August 20th. You know, at this point, 
I would be surprised uh, if he ends up playing on Sunday, but we shall see. Uh, three Commanders players on Thursday were limited participants in practice for a second consecutive day. Tight end Logan Thomas, who was working his way back from the torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus that he suffered in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders last December 5th. Uh, tight end Cole Turner, who has been dealing with a hamstring ailment, and receiver Cam Sims, who's coming off a concussion. And then three Commanders players on Thursday were on the injury report, but were listed as having fully practiced for a second consecutive day. Right guard Trey Turner, who's coming off a quadriceps injury. Tight end John Bates, who's coming off a calf injury. And interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis, who is coming off an ankle injury. So with the commander situation at tight end, the team has four tight ends on the 53-man roster. Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, and Armani Rogers. You have Thomas, Bates, and Turner all listed on the injury report. Commander's offensive coordinator Scott Turner did a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. Here he was on the team situation at tight end going into this game against the Jags. Uh, I feel good. I feel good about um, a lot better, uh, you know, these last couple weeks getting those guys back out on the field. Um, You see them, you know, getting better uh, day in and day out, um, both just practicing but also just the their physical like the the injury part of it I think they'll be ready to go you know the good news is you know uh, John got all those snaps and really played at a high level last year Uh, we all know Logan you know year and a half um, so we don't have to just rely on one guy you know and then um, you talked about you know Cole but then Armani Armani played so many snaps this preseason and his development's been outstanding so um, you know we'll we'll see who the the three are that are going to be up on game day or three or four and then we'll Um, you know, it'll be kind of a committee type of deal. Yeah, the commander's tight end group, if healthy, has a lot of promise. And I feel like we've said that about a lot of things with our team over the years. If healthy, this thing can be good. Uh, But you know what? I think that this entire collection of commander skill position players has promise. And again, we have heard that kind of thing before. So we got to see the promise be realized. But the commander's collection of receivers, tight ends, and running backs, to me, is good. I do believe that. The onus is on the quarterback, Carson Wentz, to get these guys touches. But receivers, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dodson, and Cam Sims. Tight ends, Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, and Armani Rogers. Uh, Running backs, Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick. And maybe you throw in Jonathan Williams to that mix. I mean, there's talent there. Uh, This was Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on managing an offense with depth at the skill positions and potentially having to be concerned about keeping everyone happy. No, I mean, those are good problems to have, you know, when you get into those situations. Uh, The thing about our guys is, you know, they're really, it's really a good group of guys and, and they're all eager and hungry and, and of course they want the ball, they're competitors, but they want to win, you know, and it, that the, the working towards that common goal and, and they understand football, so they understand if the ball's going to one guy over the other, it's not because, you know, I I'm, I'm just want the ball to go there all the time, it's just because that's what, you know, that's kind of how the game is playing itself out. Um, you know, I've talked about this, you know, this is now the third year, I've talked about this for three years now where you know, balance isn't just run and pass. Balance is being able to spread the ball to your eligible players. And, you know, I think we're working towards a situation where the ball can get spread out. And that's when you can really be um, dangerous and effective on offense is when the ball's going to, to everybody and they can't just focus on, on one guy. And, and, you know, I think we got some guys that can make some plays and I'm excited to, uh, you know, to, to see have them go out and show that. 
Yeah, and Scott Turner is 100% right with that point about balance. This idea that an offense needs to be balanced in terms of pass attempts and rush attempts is such garbage to me. I can't stand when people talk about that, okay? You do whatever you need to do to win. If that means throwing the football 50 times, you do that. If that means running the football 50 times, you do that. The heck with balance, okay? Balance doesn't matter. Winning matters, okay? That's what matters. Uh, I mentioned Curtis Samuel. Uh, Is his second season with Washington going to be appreciably better than his first season with Washington? Uh, Washington in March 2021 signed Curtis Samuel as an unrestricted free agent to a three-year, $34.5 million contract with $21.5 million fully guaranteed at signing. But Curtis in the 2021 regular season played in just five of Washington's 17 games due to the groin injury that ended up being a bit more than your basic groin injury. Uh, We this past November 27th had multiple reports that Curtis in June 2021 underwent core muscle surgery. Uh, Commander's head coach Ron Rivera in a post-training camp practice press conference on August 1st revealed that Curtis Samuel's, quote, overall football conditioning and shape, end quote, were issues. Uh, The commanders implemented a plan for Curtis, and Ron would talk about the plan, but it is worth noting that Curtis hasn't even been listed on the commander's injury report. Every indication is that he's good to go for Sunday against the Jags. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Curtis Samuel. You know, kind of going back to my point of just getting more playmakers on the field, but Curtis is a guy, you know, I, obviously I have history with um, being with him in Carolina and then getting him here. Um, I think, you know, there was a lot of frustration, and not just by him. I think he was frustrated uh, last year just, you know, not being able to be himself and get his body right. And I think um, seeing him now and seeing him healthy and just seeing the way he laughs, and he, he's, I don't know how well you guys have gotten to know him, but he's a little bit of a character. So, um, you know, you didn't see that side of him last year, and I think he was just kind of consumed with, you know, not being, not getting out there and beating himself on the field. And, you know, I feel like, you know, he's back and um, he's just excited about playing football again. And, you know, that, that you know, him on the field, he can make plays. He can run, you know, catch and do all those types of things. So, you know, we got some different stuff moving him around and get the ball in his hand. And, um, you know, he'll, you know, obviously gain yards himself, but open some stuff up for some other people. All right. Uh, By the way, just one Jags player has been listed on the injury report for Commander's Jags. Uh, Edge defender Foley Fatukasi. He was a limited participant in practice on both Wednesday and Thursday due to a calf issue. I later in the show during our Rhyming Keys segment will give you my prediction for Commander's Jags, but I right now am going to give you my season prediction for the Commanders. Uh, I believe that the Commanders in the 2022 regular season are going to go 9-8. and eight. And I think that they're going to be in a dogfight, in a Mando fight, <laughs> for an NFC wildcard spot. Uh, I would not at all be surprised if the team does not get off to the good start, the fast start that we all want. You know, that's just not what Ron Rivera head coach teams traditionally do. And if you listen closely to how Ron and Carson Wentz spoke at their post-practice press conferences on Wednesday afternoon, it sounded like each guy was hinting that he wouldn't be stunned by some early season struggles. But I do believe that the Commanders have a solid roster. Not a great roster, but a solid roster. And I do believe that the schedule will prove to be more manageable than last season's schedule. Heck, Washington for the 2021 regular season had the hardest schedule in the NFL 
per Football Outsiders DVOA metric based on the average team DVOA of Washington's opponents. And so let's hone in on that for a moment. Washington in the 2021 regular season went 7-10 and in facing the toughest schedule in the NFL per DVOA, in being ravaged by injury on offense, and in being ravaged by a COVID outbreak late in the season. Despite all of those things, Washington went 7-10 and in the 2021 regular season. Now, it is true that Washington's point differential for the 2021 regular season was not good. Uh, Washington had a point differential of minus 99, fourth worst point differential in the NFC. But I don't think that you're wrong to view what Washington did last season in going 7-10 and 10 is actually somewhat impressive, all things considered. Uh, now, last season did not feel good, no doubt. I mean, that 56-14 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football the night after Christmas was an embarrassment. I mean, that loss made me question everything about what's going on with the team. But given the benefit of some distance from Washington's 2021 season and given some perspective, I actually think that you can be encouraged by some things from the team's 2021 season. I actually think that Washington's 2021 season, in a lot of ways, was more impressive than Washington's 2020 NFC East winning season. Washington in the 2020 regular season went 7-9, and yes, won a very weak NFC East, uh, but did so in facing the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. I mean, what's more impressive, going 7-10 against the hardest schedule in the NFL and doing so with an offense ravaged by injury, or going 7-9 against the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL? And no, neither season was some great season, okay? But that's not the point. It's hard to feel great about the commanders because of all of the stuff off the field. I get that. Trust me, I do. But from purely a football operations standpoint, there is reason to believe that some good things are happening. Uh, This season will be a big referendum on that. Uh, If this ends up being a bad season, then all bets are off on where the commanders are at with their football operations. But you shouldn't be surprised if this season ends up being a good season for the Commanders. Uh, The ingredients are there. Rod Rivera has said that this season needs to be a step-forward season for the team. Uh, I do think that this season will be a step-forward season for the team. Now, does that mean that the team is where we want it to be in Super Bowl contention? No. You know, the ultimate goal is not to go 9-8 and and sneak into the playoffs as a wildcard team. But such a season would be a step-forward season. Remember, Washington has not had a winning regular season since the 2016 regular season. That's a while ago now. Barack Obama was our president the last time that Washington had a winning regular season. Think about that. All right, let's get to our special guest. The Commanders will begin their 2022 regular season this Sunday afternoon, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1. Time now to get an insider's perspective on the Jags, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Jags insider Hayes Carlion of the Jags flagship radio station 1010XL and 92.5 FM in Jacksonville. You can follow Hayes on Twitter, at Hayes Carlion. Hayes, thanks a lot for coming on. How are you? Sure thing, Al. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Excited for week one. Excited for this game. Uh, As you know, every NFL team goes into week one with at least some optimism. Uh, The Jags have a new head coach in Doug Peterson, have a second-year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, have 
uh, major free agent acquisitions at receiver and guard and Kristen Kirk and former Washington player Brandon Sheriff, respectively. What is the prevailing feeling in Jacksonville? Is there major optimism for the Jags? There really is. And this is a fan base that obviously has been let down an awful lot. Uh, but I think it, it started with the acquisition of, of Doug Peterson in a, in a hiring process that took, you know, probably way longer than it should have. Uh, but going from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, you know, I think everybody would agree is a, is a universal upgrade. And so that's where it starts, uh, with Doug Peterson. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence, uh, fans are hopeful that, you know, he'll make that monster leap forward in year two now that he's in a environment that isn't completely toxic and so uh yeah the supporting cast is better i still don't think it's uh by any means good compared to the other 31 teams but it's not abysmal like it was last year so supporting cast is better uh defensively they've they've made a lot of upgrades and uh they certainly are much better at the at the head coaching position so yeah there is optimism. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's can they get from three wins to seven or eight? I think that would be considered a, a really good year. Uh, I don't think anybody's expecting playoffs here, but certainly there's a lot of excitement about Doug Peterson's uh, era getting getting going here. With Urban Meyer, I mean, he ended up lasting not even a full season as Jags head coach, lasted for just 13 regular season games. It's funny, Hayes, there was a lot of talk in the Washington, D.C. area in 2019 of the Redskins potentially hiring Urban as head coach, especially given that the Skins had Dwayne Haskins at quarterback at the time. Just how bad was it with Urban last season? Uh, it was a disaster. I mean, it was basically a, a Ponzi scheme that he sold ownership, you know, shot con and you know, you can certainly blame Shad Khan for that. Uh, I thought it was a good hire. This is a man who's won 85% of his games in college. Stands to reason, you know, he could win at least 55% of his games in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he sold a bill of goods about, you know, how he'd really studied the league and it was ready. And, and he just wasn't. Uh, he didn't know really anything about the NFL. Uh, I don't know what he was studying, but it certainly wasn't how the NFL worked. Huh. Uh, he had tremendous difficulty building a staff, which was sort of the first giveaway that maybe this wasn't, you know, as, as well thought out as it should have been. Uh, so he had a lackluster staff. Uh, there was zero creativity in the offense. Uh, and then it got worse because Urban treated the players like college kids. And uh, so he lost the locker room incredibly early. And it just it just was a disaster start to finish. And, uh, you know, and obviously he, he had his transgressions, you know, off the field that certainly led to a, a quicker demise. But, you know, really, the Jaguars probably caught a break there because if he if he had only been judged on his win loss record, he probably is kept because of the massive investment shot Khan made in him. There would have been the feeling of, well, you know, he had he needed a year to get used to the league now that he's used to the league. You know, there'll be some improvement, which never would have worked out. He, he never would have would, would have done anything positive here. So uh, so definitely Washington dodged a bullet. Uh, I didn't realize that they they were looking at him a few years back. So they definitely dodged a bullet there. And, uh, you know, I, I think it ended up being kind of a silver lining that he had the issues off the field and, and, and the you know allegation of kicking uh, kicker Josh Lambeau. Because that forced shot Khan's hand, and he had no choice at that point but to move on. And the Jags fired Urban Meyer with cause, right? 
Uh, not that I'm worried about the bank account of Jags owner Shad Khan, but he may end up not having to pay Urban what he was owed via the rest of his contract, right? Well, they're certainly fighting it. I think it's still ongoing unless there's been something that, you know, hasn't leaked yet. But yeah, and, and they should win that. I mean, you know, again, he, 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 there was a number of things that I think would rise to the level of being able to fire him with cause. And so, uh, you know, whether they settle it and it, it results somewhere in the middle, that would probably be my guess as to what happens. But yeah, Serba Meyer, I, I would be shocked if he gets the full amount of, of what he would be owed. Much more with Hayes Carlion on the Jags in moments. I'm going to next ask him about Trevor Lawrence off his rough rookie season. Uh, Buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area can be a rough experience if you go with the wrong real estate agent, especially in these economic times. And so that's why you got to get with my man, Kellen Hunt, because the time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area actually is now. Visit CloseItWithKel.com. That's Close It with Kel, K-E-L-L dot com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Yeah, the time for buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area is now. The rise in mortgage rates has led to a rise in inventory, leading to a reduction in prices. Uh, I read to you from D.C. Urban Turf, quote, Inventory has bottomed out in the region with big increases in the availability of both single-family detached homes and townhomes in many local markets, and quote, now is the time to buy, especially with rents going up. And when it comes to getting a deal done to buy the Washington, D.C. area home that you want, ain't nobody better than Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKel.com. That's CloseItWithKel.com. Kel, K-E-L-L. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market. He is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance, or you have a young family looking for a bigger home, or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Uh, Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy. He will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer. Get a piece of the action. So visit CloseItWithKel.com. That's CloseItWithKel, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit CloseItWithKel.com. Book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKel.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit CloseItWithKel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. We get back now to Hayes Carlion. So Trevor Lawrence, of course, one of the more highly touted NFL quarterback prospects in years. Uh, The Jags taking him with the number one pick in the 2021 NFL draft was a no-brainer. I know that things were a mess for the Jags last season with Urban Meyer as head coach, but I was surprised at just how bad the numbers for Lawrence ended up being. Is it concerning that his rookie season was as bad as it was, or do you throw out the rookie season because of the mess that Lawrence was in the midst of? I don't like giving passes, but in this case, I'm giving Trevor a total pass. I mean, it just, you know, I, Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel never 
you know, orchestrated any, anything close to a competent offense. Uh, they did, they weren't doing anything that was remotely creative. I think there was a lot of conflict over the direction of the offense. And then you look at the the talent that was around Trevor. You know, he loses ETN in the preseason. Uh, James Robinson was, I mean, inexplicably benched at times, and he was the only really good player that they had. Then he tears his Achilles late in the year. Uh, the receivers and tight ends were about as bad as it could be at the NFL level. So, um, yeah, you now look at, you know, last year the the leading receivers were Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chennault, and Laquan Treadwell. Well, you know, Chennault's been traded. Treadwell has now been released, and I think he's joined the Patriots. And Marvin Jones has been relegated to really the third option and, and maybe even the fourth in the in the offense in total, but certainly the third at receiver behind Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, two free agent additions. So I think the talent is better. The They brought in Evan Ingram at tight end, who has looked good in training camp. If he can stay healthy, uh, he's going to drop a ball here and there, but he certainly brings an explosive element to the offense. And they get ETN back, who's looked good. You mentioned they add Sheriff along the offensive line. Uh, they're really excited about third round rookie Luke Fortner. So I, I do think the supporting cast around him is better. And defensively, they're better. They only got nine takeaways last year. I mean, think about that, Al. In 17 games, they got nine takeaways. That's hard to be that bad. And so the offense always had to go 75 yards. They never got any help. And I do think that that will be better as well. So all of that considered... I think I think Trevor will play better, and, and, the, and the environment around him is just so much better. I, you know, with Doug Peterson and the offensive acumen that he brings, and just being able to relate as somebody that played the position in the NFL, play caller in the NFL, head coach experience. Obviously, he's won a Super Bowl. It just sets up really well for Trevor. We're talking Commanders Jags with Jags insider Hayes Carlion of the Jags flagship radio station 1010 XL and 92.5 FM. In Jacksonville, the Jags running back mix, uh, Travis Etienne, who the team took in the first round of the 2021 draft out of Clemson, James Robinson, who is expected to be active on Sunday despite having suffered a torn Achilles last December 26th. How do you see the Jags running back situation playing out? I think Etienne is going to be the star. Uh, James Robinson is a good player, and I'm not trying to sell him short, but he's just not all that explosive. He's good at at keeping you in good down and distance situations because he routinely gets you know, four or five yards, which is great. Uh, but ETN is the is the explosive player, and he's looked really good. He had the uh, Liz Frank injury in uh, preseason last year. He uh, has looked really good throughout the offseason program, had a wonderful training camp. And so I think ETN is, is a candidate to, you know, have 1,400 yards of total offense, whether that's, you know, 900 on the ground, 500 through the air, something like that. I think he's going to probably, I think between ETN and Christian Kirk, those two guys, if they stay healthy, are, are going to be the, the two biggest stack guys for the Jaguars. So I think ETN ends up getting 65% of the of the touches in the backfield. James Robinson probably gets 30%, and then you've got the 5% that's going to go to you know the, the three and four guy. With the Jags' defense, uh, how has the number one pick in the 2022 draft, Trayvon Walker, the edge defender out of Georgia, been looking? And how has the Jags' other 2022 first-round pick, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, been looking? They've been doing really well. I didn't like the Trayvon Walker pick at the time, but 
I've since come around in seeing him. Uh, he's very disruptive. Rookies tend to not get huge stack numbers in year one. Uh, even the elite edge rushers tend to need a year. But I do think you'll see disruption from Trayvon Walker uh, on, a, on a consistent basis. Devin Lloyd, I think, is going to be a star. I love that pick. But we haven't really seen him. Uh, he had a hamstring injury that he suffered in conditioning the day before training camp. So he missed like the first four weeks. He did play in the preseason finale uh, and looked pretty good. Uh, certainly was all over the field, a little rusty, but but certainly was very active and his speed, you know, definitely showed up. He's going to start. So that's a that's an area where if I'm Washington, I'm going to really test Devin Lloyd right out of the gate because not only is he a rookie. But he really hasn't been on the field much, you know, during training camp. So, uh, you know, that is an area where I would think that he's a talented player, and you have to be mindful of that. But, you know, is there still some rust there? And and again, he's a rookie anyway. So, uh, Devin Lloyd, I think, is going to be a marked man Sunday. I would think when Washington starts to put their game plan together. Bigger picture question: uh, The Jags, as I'm sure you know have had 10 double-digit loss regular seasons over the last 11 seasons. Uh, We here in the Washington, D.C. area talk all of the time about the state of the commanders and how poorly things have gone for the franchise since the glory days with Joe Gibbs as head coach in the 1980s and early 1990s. But with the Jags, why has it been that the team has had, again, 10 double-digit loss regular seasons over the last 11 seasons? Yeah, I started covering them in 2013, and they've only been good one time, and that was in 2017. Um, well, I mean, it starts with pathetic drafting. Um, you know, they, they've had awful drafts, and even when they had a great draft in, in 2015 with Jalen Ramsey and uh, Miles Jack and Yannick Ngakwe, none of those three ended up staying for various reasons or you know dysfunction in the organization, basically. So, um, you know, I think when you look at it, they just haven't drafted well. I mean, they, you know, they let's, you know, look at the the draft that they just had a couple years ago. They take C.J. Henderson ninth overall. They take Caleb on Chase on with one of the picks they got in the Ramsey deal, uh, and then they take Lavisca Chenault in the second round. None of the well, two of those guys are already gone. Henderson and Chenault got traded to the Panthers in separate deals, and Chase on's a backup here who will never be impactful. So, I mean, they they just have drafted it just. I mean, it's just been awful how bad they've drafted. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I do like uh, the, the Trevor Lawrence class looks pretty good because, I mean, anybody could have picked Trevor. I'm not giving him credit for that. But uh, ETN looks like he'll be good. Uh, Tyson Campbell, Andre Sisco in the secondary look like they're going to be good players. And uh, and so far, I like what I see from this draft class. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe they're starting to get that turned around a little bit. But it all starts with how you draft. And, and they just have drafted miserably. One more for you. The owner of the Jags, uh, Shad Khan, he bought the Jags in November 2011. From afar, he seems like an owner with good intentions. He certainly has been willing to spend money on players and coaches, but obviously things have not gone well, and he clearly hasn't always hired the best people to run things. What's your evaluation of Shad Khan as Jags owner? 
I think he's a great owner because of what you said. He spends. I mean, that's what you want in ownership. You know, stay out of the way and be willing to write the big checks. And Shot is willing to do that. He just has put his trust in people that just haven't delivered for him. Um, he was very loyal to Dave Caldwell, uh, his general manager. Uh, and, you know, that just didn't end up working out. Uh, and and just really the guys that, they, that he's hired is, is head coach. You know, Gus Bradley was a first-time head coach didn't really work out. Doug Marone was, uh, had been a head coach, but certainly didn't have like this amazing resume and you know, that didn't work out. And, and then they took the, the risk on Urban Meyer that just completely blew up in his face. So I, uh, he is a good owner. Uh, he's been really good for the city of Jacksonville. And I, I don't think he's to blame for any of this other than, you know, maybe he should have vetted Urban Meyer a little bit more, but at the time, you know, you're thinking here we're, we've got this blockbuster, you know, national championship winning coach that you know wants to come here. So I, I can I can get why, and, and they they did have a personal friendship, so I can get why you know he was duped. But he was he was absolutely duped by Urban Meyer. If he'd asked him ten questions about the NFL, he probably would have figured out pretty quick that <laughs> Urban Meyer didn't know a whole lot about it. But um, you know, but other than that, I, I do think. He wants to win. Uh, he's not in it for you know the, the to see his investment continue to rise. He wants to uh, he wants to have, field a, a competitive championship level team. It just he just had some really bad hires. So I think he's got it right this time. I think Doug Peterson's going to be good. Uh, he's got the perfect mindset. Uh, he, I've been really impressed with him. Very. Uh, it's just normal. The Jaguars are just normal for once. And, uh, and so I think that that's, I think shots finally going to be rewarded with at least some competent play. I don't know that they're going to be amazing, but they certainly have the quarterback. Uh, and I think they've got a, 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 a good head coach. I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, So I think it's, it's, you know, it's empirically to say he's, he's a good head coach. So hopefully it all lines up, but he spends. And so I think that makes him a good owner. All right, Jags insider Hayes Carlion of the Jags flagship radio station, 1010XL and 92.5 FM in Jacksonville. Hayes, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Take care. All right, my friends. Up next, it is time to rhyme. The season debut of Rhyming Keys. The keys to a commander's win over the Jags and in rhyming fashion. I'll get to that after this. Well, where would we be without coffee? Uh, It is one of life's great pleasures, isn't it? Uh, I drink coffee, and I'm a big fan of Trade Coffee, which has a terrific offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service unlike anything that you've tried before. That's because Trade Coffee partners with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffee in the country directly to where you live and on your preferred schedule. Uh, Trade Coffee's experts do all of the work. They taste test hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Uh, The coffee that I get from Trade Coffee is really good, and the Trade Coffee team actually worked with me to create my own custom collection. Trust me, I'm no coffee expert, but thanks to Trade Coffee, I have like a super collection of coffee. I have a dream team of coffee. And one of the best things about Trade Coffee is that it has whatever it is that you want. You can shop 
Trade Coffee's most popular coffees by roaster flavor profile, or you can do what I did, take the Trade Coffee quiz. Uh, just takes a few minutes, and you get expertly matched with coffees that you'll love. If you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee that you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. So here's what you do. Go to drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off your first order, plus free shipping. Get hooked up with great coffee at a great price, all while supporting small businesses. Visit drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off plus free shipping. That's drinktrade.com slash Al Galdi. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The 91st all-time regular season for the team now known as the Washington Commanders will begin this Sunday afternoon at 1 against the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field. The Boston Braves' first season was 1932. The team then became the Boston Redskins, then the Washington Redskins, then the Washington football team, and now the Washington Commanders. Uh, Washington is just 2-6 and six in week one games over the last eight seasons. How do we make that record three and six over the last nine seasons? How do we make it so that we on Mondays, Commander's post-game show installment of the Al Galdi podcast, are celebrating, are reveling in a Commander's win over the Jags? Uh, it is that time, my friends. The time to rhyme. It is time to for Rhyming Keys, my keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, understand, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. Uh, they are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun, rhyming keys for a commander's win over the Jags. How do the commanders win this game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for the entire commander's team. In order to do the deed, establish a lead. If I ask you what was the best stretch for the Washington football team last season, uh, there's little doubt that your answer is the four-game winning streak, right? That four-game winning streak that took place 
from week 10 through week 13. And if I ask you what were the biggest keys to that four-game winning streak, you know, there are a variety of answers that you can give, but one of those keys, I think, would be the frequency with which Washington played with a lead. One of the simplest but most crucial determining factors of winning games in the NFL is playing with a lead. One of the most tried and true things in the NFL is that the team that is leading at halftime goes on to win that game at an extremely high rate. I've looked at this. It's remarkable how true that is. When an NFL team has the lead at the half, that team way more often than not goes on to win the game. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is that having the lead allows you to control and dictate the game, right? Playing with a lead allows you in the second half of a game to run the ball more and control time of possession. Playing with a lead compels the opposing team to pass more, and that can lead to sacks and interceptions and quick possessions for the opposing team. What has hurt Washington so many times over so many of its bad seasons has been getting out to bad starts in games and being in big holes in games. I do not think that this game against the Jags is going to be an easy game. Getting out to an early lead and leading at the half would go a long way toward giving us a commander's win. And so rhyming key number one, this for the entire commander's team, in order to do the deed, establish a lead. Rhyming key for commander's Jags. And number two, this is for Carson Wentz. Do not shy away from the screen in order to exercise the ghost of Week 18. There are a lot of obvious storylines for Commander's Jags. Maybe the most obvious storyline is the Commander's new starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, facing the team against which he and the Indianapolis Colts uh, choked in Week 18 of last season. A 26-11 Colts loss at the Jags that cost the Colts a playoff spot. Carson for that game had a total QBR per ESPN of just 5.5. Total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Carson's total QBR for that game, again, 5.5. We on this podcast over the last six months have had a lot of conversations about Carson Wentz, and I have had on a lot of guests with whom I have talked Carson Wentz. And one of the things that has come up as a negative for Carson is him not converting on the layups. You've surely heard that phrase, right? Carson doesn't convert the layups. That Carson actually has been very effective as a deep passer, but that it's more the layups on which he can struggle and can drive you crazy. There's no doubt that the commanders need to have a passing offense that generates explosive plays. So I am in no way advocating for Carson on Sunday to be a check down Charlie, but there's nothing wrong with taking that which the Jags defense gives you and putting the football in the hands of the many playmakers who the commanders have on offense. Uh, I want to see the commanders take and convert on some deep shots for sure, but I also want to see Carson play smart and efficient football. I want to see him make good decisions. And that can include throwing short and letting the pass catchers do the work. You know, Washington pass catchers last season were not good at generating yardage after catch, at generating yak. Uh, They need to be much better in that regard. I do think 
that they can be. But a big must for the Commanders in their 2022 season is Carson Wentz learning from his past mistakes. Don't blow the layups. If short passes are there, take them and complete them. And so rhyming key number two, this for Carson Wentz, do not shy away from the screen in order to exercise the ghost of week 18. Rhyming key for Commander's Jags, number three, this for the Commander's defense. You must be clever in defending Trevor. The Jags took quarterback Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick in the 2021 NFL Draft out of Clemson. There's no doubt that his rookie NFL season was severely hindered by, for most of that season, having a head coach in Urban Meyer who was a disaster. I mean, what our guest last segment, Jags insider Hayes Carlion of the Jags flagship radio station, 1010XL and 92.5 FM in Jacksonville, told us was pretty wild. Uh, However, it's also true that Trevor Lawrence last season was that good. Uh, Lawrence ended the 2021 regular season with just 12 touchdown passes versus an NFL worst tying 17 interceptions. The only games in which he threw multiple touchdown passes were the Jags' regular season opener and their final game of the season. Uh, the Jags for the 2021 regular season were 28th out of 32 NFL teams in third down efficiency. Uh, Yes, the Jags should be better this season with their new head coach, Doug Peterson. But what also should be better this season is a Washington defense that was a major disappointment last season, especially on third downs. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number 31 out of 32 NFL teams at lowest opponents third down efficiency at 48.5%. We know the deal with the commander's defense. It in the 2022 offseason underwent very little change and the defense on third downs did not look good in the preseason. There is a lot of pressure on defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and his defense to be better this season. Uh, That Washington on paper has an easier schedule of opposing offenses and quarterbacks as compared to last season's schedule obviously bodes well for the commander's defense, but the schedule doesn't matter if the defense doesn't play smart and doesn't play disciplined. The communication in the secondary needs to be good. The rush discipline from the edge defenders needs to be strict. Uh, The play of the linebackers, especially Jamin Davis, needs to be better. That the commanders will be without edge defender Chase Young and that safety Cameron Curl is dealing with this injured thumb are not excuses for the commander's defense to get torched by Trevor Lawrence and the Jags on Sunday. This is not a Jags offense that's overwhelming in terms of high-level skill position players. Defense, get the job done, please. And so rhyming key number three, this for the commander's defense, you must be clever in defending Trevor. And then one more, it is number four, rhyming key for commander's Jags, number four, this for the entire commander's team. A win in game one off the rebrand would be good for biz so that Jason Wright can say, there it is. There it is. Yes, Jason, there it is. Uh, Sunday's game against the Jags, of course, is the first ever regular season game for Washington 
As the commanders, the team needs a good start to the 2022 regular season for both football and business reasons. And not that commanders players should be caught up in the new name and the rebrand and the business operations, but it would be nice to begin this new era for the team with a win in the first regular season game. It would be nice to give ticket-paying fans at FedEx Field a good experience at the stadium, including a victory in the actual game. You know, head coach Ron Rivera has said that he wants the fans with the team, but that the team needs to earn that. Well, you earn that, of course, by winning. And to win against the Jags to begin the 2022 regular season and to begin the era of commanders would be nice. And yes, would help our team president, Jason Wright, in commander's business operations. And so rhyming key number four, this for the entire commander's team, a win in game one off the rebrand would be good for biz so that Jason Wright can say, there it is. There it is. Yes, Jason, there it is. All right, prediction time. Uh, The commanders, as of very early Friday morning per win bed, are minus two and a half. I do not think (laughs) that this is going to be an easy game for our team. Uh, I'm going to take the Jags plus the two and a half, but I'm going to say that the commanders win a close game. Commanders 24, Jags 23 on a late Joey Sly field goal. Let us now get to college football. Let us now get to Goldilocks. My previews and picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Look, week one was brutal. 0-4. I put my faith in these four teams by picking each of them, and they all failed me. (laughs) I was not happy about that. Uh, Perhaps I need to start picking games for another team of the Mid-Atlantic region, James Madison. Uh, I have gotten some feedback on Twitter about JMU. The Dukes, the pride of Harrisonburg, Virginia. They this season are making the move from the FCS to the FBS. They're in the Sunbelt Conference. And they, in week one, routed Middle Tennessee 44-7. JMU quarterback Todd Santeo, 21-33 for 287 yards. Six touchdowns and no interceptions. And he had 14 carries for 110 yards. Very impressive. All right, uh, here we go. The record for Goldilocks in the 2021 season was 27 and 18. Let's get back to winning, shall we? Goldilocks for week two of the 2022 college football season. All point spreads are from WinBet and are as of very early Friday morning. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland at Charlotte, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Terrapins are minus 27. Uh, The Terps began their 2022 season with a 31-10 win over Buffalo at Maryland Stadium in College Park last Saturday afternoon. Uh, Maryland's defense was really good. Maryland's rushing offense was really good. Maryland's passing game was mixed. Uh, Quarterback Talia Tungavailoa, for whom there is quite a bit of hype for this season, uh, was off on some throws, had no touchdown passes versus one interception, and quarterback to Terps offense that went just 4 of 13 on third downs. Now, he did complete 24 of his 34 pass attempts. That does work out to a completion percentage of 70.6. And he, over his 34 pass attempts, did throw for 290 yards. That does work out to a yards per pass attempt 
of 8.53. But there certainly is another level that Talia can get to and that he needs to get to. Uh, Major expectations for him this season, especially given that Maryland is loaded at receiver with Rakim Jarrett, Jayshon Jones, and Dante Demas Jr. Uh, The 49ers of Charlotte are not so good. Uh, 0-2 with two blowout losses, a 43-13 loss at Florida Atlantic on August 27th, and a 41-24 loss at home to William & Mary on September 2nd. ESPN college football analyst Bill Connolly years ago, while at Football Outsiders, came up with something called SP+. Uh, SP Plus is a tempo and opponent-adjusted measure of college football efficiency. Uh, Know this, Charlotte entering week two of this 2022 college football season ranked 121st out of 131 FBS teams in SP Plus. Give me the Terps minus the 27. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop Dogg. Goldilocks game number two, Virginia Tech home to Boston College Saturday night at eight. The Hokies are minus two and a half. Tech began its 2022 season with a 2017 loss at Old Dominion last Friday night. Not a good debut for Brent Pry as Hokies head coach. Uh, The Hokies' new starting quarterback, the Marshall transfer, Grant Wells, he struggled as a passer. He did do some nice things as a runner, but he as a passer was not good. He completed just 21 of his 37 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of just 56.8. He threw for just 197 yards on his 37 pass attempts. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 5.32. He had one touchdown pass versus four interceptions. He quarterbacked the Tech offense that went just 5-17 on third downs. So the Hokies in the second quarter had a disastrous special teams play. A bad snap on a 38-yard field goal attempt resulted in a fumble that ODU safety Robert Kennedy III recovered and returned 25 yards for a touchdown. Uh, Tech committed one penalty after another. Tech finished the game with 15 accepted penalties for 106 yards. And while the Hokies' defense overall played well, the Hokies' defense struggled late in the game. Uh, The Hokies lost the fourth quarter 10-0, including allowing ODU to author a game-winning nine-play, 74-yard touchdown drive that resulted in running back Blake Watson's second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run with 33 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Uh, There also were some weird things that happened. Uh, The second half of the game was delayed due to a group of Hokies assistant coaches getting stuck in an elevator, and Tech apparently got robbed uh, as there were items missing from Tech's locker room after the game. Uh, Tech was working with law enforcement and Old Dominion University on the matter. Uh, Boston College, it is coming off a season opening 22-21 home loss to Rutgers last Saturday. BC blew a 21-12 third quarter lead. The public is pounding Boston College. A lot of public money is on BC for its game at Virginia Tech. I will go contrarian and I will take the Hokies minus the two and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Goldilocks game number three, Virginia at Illinois, Saturday afternoon at four. The Cavaliers are plus four and a half. Uh, They began 
their 2022 season with a 34-17 win over Richmond at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville last Saturday afternoon. Richmond is an FCS school. Uh, the Wahoos, in their first game under head coach Tony Elliott, won the first half 28-10, but actually lost the second half 7-6. Uh, UVA's defense, which last season was horrendous, uh, was good against the pass, but did have some problems against the run. Uh, UVA's offense, which last season was very good, was actually better on the ground as opposed to in the air. Quarterback Brennan Armstrong was fine as a passer, but he actually was superb as a runner. Armstrong, 21-33 passing for 246 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But Armstrong had 10 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. Also running back Paris Jones, a senior who went to Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia. He in this game made his first career start, and he had 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown, and had two receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Illinois is 1-1, one one, a 38-6 route of Wyoming on August 27th, but then a 23-20 loss at Indiana on September 2nd. There has been what we call reverse line movement for this game. You always want to be mindful of reverse line movement. Uh, the public money is heavily on Virginia, and yet the line for the game has moved in favor of Virginia, which in multiple shops has gone from being plus three and a half to plus four and a half. When you have something like that, reverse line movement, that is a clear indication of sharp money coming in on the other side. In this instance, Illinois. In sports betting, you always want to be on the side of the sharps, not the public. The sharps know what they're doing. The public does not. The public are sheep. Do not be part of the sheep. And so give me the fighting Illini minus the four and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. And then Goldilocks game number four, Navy, home to Memphis, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The midshipmen are plus five. Navy began its 2022 season with a not-so-good performance, a 14-7 loss to Delaware at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis last Saturday afternoon. Uh, Delaware is an FCS school, and yet Navy lost. Uh, the Mids trailed in the third quarter 14-0. Uh, Navy's rushing offense in this game was brutal. The Mids passing offense was actually fairly effective, but the bread and butter of Navy, the rushing attack, not good. Navy finished with 63 carries for just 184 yards, a touchdown, and three fumbles, all of which came in the first half, and all of which were lost fumbles. The Mids averaged just 2.92 yards per carry. Quarterback Ty Lovatai, 18 carries for 34 yards, a touchdown, and two first quarter loss fumbles. Uh, those were mesh handoff fumbles, so they weren't necessarily his fault, but he averaged just 1.89 yards per carry. And he didn't take any sacks, so that was a legitimate 1.89 yards per carry. Rushing stats in college football include yardage lost on sacks. Uh, Lovatai did go 5 of 13 passing for 135 yards. He had completions of 43, 37, and 17 yards. But the Navy ground game had a bad game in a home game against an FCS school in Delaware. Navy's defense did play well. Uh, Memphis is coming off a season opening 49-23 loss at Mississippi State last Saturday. The public, as you might expect, is massively on Memphis. And yet, we have had major reverse line movement 
for this game. Heavy public money on Memphis, and yet the line has moved in favor of Memphis. That doesn't make sense. You know, Navy was plus seven and a half at one point in some shops. Now is down to plus five. This is an indication of, again, sharp money, an indication of people in the know putting money on Navy despite that home loss to Delaware last Saturday afternoon. If the Sharps are on Navy, who are we to dispute that? Give me the mitts plus the five. Make money, money, make money, money, money. All right, Snoop. So to review, Maryland minus 27, Virginia Tech minus two and a half, Illinois minus four and a half, and Navy plus five. Your Goldilocks for week two of the 2022 college football season. Well, the Nationals right now are in the midst of a brutal 10-game road trip with no off days. Uh, The trip started with back-to-back series at National League division leaders, a three-game series at the National League East-leading New York Mets, followed by a four-game series at the National League Central-leading St. Louis Cardinals. And wouldn't you know, the Nats, who do have the worst record in the majors, ended up going 4-3 and over those seven games at the Mets and Cardinals. Uh, Thursday afternoon, a crazy 11-6 win at the Cardinals for a four-game split for, yes, manager Davey Martinez and the boys. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, the boys. Uh, the boys improved to a major league worst 49-89 and in the 2022 regular season. Now, before we go any further, I do need to say this. All the best to Nats catcher K-Bert Ruiz. Uh, He, on Thursday afternoon, was sent to a hospital with, you ready for this? Swollen testicles. Uh, This after getting hit with a foul ball. Uh, The Nats were waiting for him to return before they left for Philadelphia. Uh, I know that that sounds funny, swollen testicles, but geez, um, that is serious the fact that he went to the hospital is serious, and uh, I cannot say that without cringing. Swollen testicles. So I hope that Kate Ruiz is doing well. Uh, what is doing well is the Nats offense. Uh, more good offense from the Nats. Uh, the Bats have really come alive over the last week and a half. The Nats on Thursday afternoon, 11 runs, 18 hits, 2 walks, 9 for 21 with runners in scoring position, that was some offensive showing by the Nats. Uh, the Nats pitching was another story. I'll get to that shortly. But a number of offensive heroes for the Nats on Thursday afternoon. Principal among them, Alex Call. Uh, Alex Call got the call on Thursday afternoon, and he answered. Uh, Alex Call wasn't even supposed to be in the Nats starting lineup, but Victor Robles was scratched from the lineup due to neck stiffness, and so Call was the Nats starting left fielder at number nine batter. He went four for five with five RBI. Not bad for your number nine batter. He had a three-run homer, a two-run double, and two singles. A call in an Nats one-run third, a leadoff first pitch single to left field. Call in an Nats two-run fourth, a two-out full count, two-run double to left field for a 4-3 Nats lead. Now, the ball was completely misplayed by Cardinals left fielder Corey Dickerson as it went over his glove as he leapt into the air. But whatever, Call got credited with a two-run double. Uh, Call in an Nats one-run six had a one-out full-count single to left field to conclude a 10-pitch plate appearance. And Call in an Nats 
four-run ninth, a two-out, three-run homer to left field for an 11-4 Nats lead. The homer went a projected 408 feet for StatCast. Uh, what a game for Alex Cole. The Nats on August 14th recalled Cole from AAA Rochester. This season is his age 27 season. He was taken by the Chicago White Sox in the third round of the 2016 MLB draft out of Ball State University. Uh, the Nats claimed Cole off waivers from the Cleveland Guardians on August 7th. Uh, C.J. Abrams on Thursday afternoon had two hits. He has been hitting better lately. Abrams was the Nats starting shortstop and number eight batter. He went two for five with an RBI double and a single. Uh, Abrams in an Nats one run six, the one out single up the middle on a one two pitch. Abrams in an Nats two run seventh, the two out first pitch opposite field RBI double off the left field warning track right near the left field foul line for a 7-4 Nats lead. You know, Abrams was very good in the Nats' other win in this series, the 6-0 win at the Cardinals on Monday. Abrams in that game was an Nats starting shortstop and number nine batter, four for five with a triple and three singles. Uh, Cesar Hernandez ended up having a very good series. He, on Thursday afternoon, was the Nats starting third baseman and number seven batter. He went three for four with an RBI double, an RBI single, another single and an RBI sack fly. Cesar in the Nats one run second to two out first pitch. RBI double to right field to tie the game at one. Cesar in the Nats two run fourth, a one out opposite field single to left field. Cesar in the Nats two run seventh, a one out RBI sack fly for a 6-4 Nats lead. Cesar in the Nats four run ninth, a one out opposite field RBI single through the left side of the infield on a 1-2 pitch for an 8-4 Nats lead. Uh, Cesar Hernandez over three games in this series, 6-11 for 11 with a triple, a double, four singles, and two walks. Uh, Luke Voigt on Thursday afternoon had a second straight good game. He is an ad starting first baseman and number four batter went two for three with a double, an infield single, and two walks. Voigt in the Nats one run second, a leadoff first pitch double to the left center field gap. Voigt in the top of the fifth, a two out infield single to Cardinals third baseman Nolan Arenado, who committed a throwing error. Voigt in the Nats two run seventh, a leadoff five pitch walk. Voigt in the Nats four run ninth, a leadoff four-pitch walk. Uh, Void in the Nats 6-5 walk-off loss at the Cardinals on Wednesday night as the Nats starting first baseman and number three batter, three for four with a two-run homer and two singles. And Nelson Cruz on Thursday afternoon was the Nats starting DH and number six batter. Him being the number six batter in and of itself was a win if you're a Nats fan because Davey Martinez finally moved Cruz down the lineup. This marked just the second time in the 2022 regular season that Nelson Cruz was an ad's number six batter in a game. I mean, Davey Martinez has insisted on batting Nelson Cruz in the number three or number four spot, um, yeah, occasionally the number five spot. But a Nelson Cruz who has had a woeful 2022 season finally on Thursday afternoon was in that number six spot for just the second time in the 2022 regular season. And let's hope that continues. But to Nelson Cruz's credit, he had a nice game. Uh, he, he went three for five with three singles. Uh, Cruz in the Nats two run fourth, a one out single to center field. Cruz in the Nats two run seventh, a one out opposite field single to right field. And Cruz in the Nats four run ninth, a one out single to left center field. On a one-two pitch. So really a tremendous offensive display 
by the Nats on Thursday afternoon. And a good chunk of this came against Cardinals starter Adam Wainwright, who's having a good season in what is his age 40 season. Adam Wainwright came into this game with an ERA plus of 119 over 27 starts in the 2022 regular season. ERA plus is ERA that's adjusted for a pitcher's league and home ballpark. 100 is average. Above 100 is good. Adam Wainwright had an ERA plus of 119 coming into this game on Thursday afternoon. But he on Thursday afternoon against the Nats allowed four runs in five innings. Uh, however, also struggling on Thursday afternoon was the Nats starting pitcher, Josiah Gray. And as much as the Nats' great hitting was nice, in the bigger picture, you could argue that what happened with Josiah Gray was the bigger deal. Uh, Gray was not good. He allowed four runs in three and a third innings. Uh, he gave up six hits, two home runs, a double, and three singles. He issued three walks and a wild pitch. He recorded three strikeouts. He over his three and a third innings threw 84 pitches, 49 strikes, versus 35 balls. But how about this? The two home runs that Josiah Gray gave up were to Yadier Molina. Uh, This season is Yadier Molina's age 39 season. Yadier Molina came into this game for the 2022 regular season with an OPS plus of just 51 and with just two home runs. And yet he in this game homered twice off Josiah Gray. Yadier Molina is basically shot as a batter. And yet he, on Thursday afternoon, homered twice off Josiah Gray. Gray in the Cardinals' two-run second gave up a one-out two-run homer to Molina to left field. 403 feet per stat cast. Uh, The homer gave the Cardinals a 3-1 lead. And Gray in the Cardinals' one-run fourth gave up a one-out full-count solo homer to Molina to left field to conclude a nine-pitch plate appearance and to tie the game at four. Uh, nothing speaks to Josiah Gray's home run problem more than old man Yadier Molina homering twice off Gray on Thursday afternoon. Not good. Second straight bad start for Josiah Gray. He in a 7-3 loss at the Mets last Friday night, September 2nd, started a game for the first time in 13 days. He allowed six runs in five innings. He gave up six hits, two homers, two doubles, and two singles. He issued four walks, one of which was intentional. He recorded just two strikeouts. He over his five innings through 95 pitches. So for Josiah Gray now in the 2022 regular season, 25 starts, ERA of 506. Not good. <laughs> I mean, 506 is not a good ERA. You cannot dress that up uh, to a point to where you feel good about that. Uh, Josiah Gray has allowed a major league worst 36 home runs. That's not good. His home run problem seemingly is getting worse, not better. You know, Josiah Gray in his major league career now has totaled 202 into third regular season innings. He, over those 202 into third innings, has allowed a whopping 55 home runs. The Nats desperately need Josiah Gray to pan out, and you in no way can call him a bust right now. It's still too early for that, but he is having a very uneven season, okay? And calling this an uneven season may well be kind. I mean, like I said, his ERA now is 506. That's really bad. And I do wonder if the Nats will shut down Gray if things continue to go poorly for him. You know, this is his age 24 season and just his second major league season. Here was Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday on Josiah Gray. 
Yeah, you know, today wasn't wasn't a fatigue. It was more. Um, I think it was more just trying to overthrow in situations. Um, you know, we got to get him more to calm down, get 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 his get, get him back in his legs a little bit. Um, if we could do that, you know, he'll he'll be just fine. So um, we'll take a look at all the stuff uh, tomorrow. All this information, uh, we'll talk to him, and um, you know, and, and he'll go out and throw his bullpen, and we'll see where we're at then. Wild game for the Nats bullpen on Thursday afternoon. Five Nats relievers combined to allow two runs in five and two-thirds innings. Mason Thompson was great. He tossed one and two-thirds perfect innings, lowering his ERA at the major league level for the 2022 regular season to 0.66. Now, the sample size is small, one earned run in 13 and two-thirds innings, but Thompson has looked good. He came into the game in the bottom of the fourth with the bases loaded and one out, but then recorded back-to-back outs. Uh, You know, Thompson has been out for a good chunk of this season. He was on the 10-day injured list and then 60-day injured list from April 10th to July 1st due to a right bicep strain. He then got optioned to AAA Rochester multiple times before being recalled from Rochester on September 1st. And like I said, he's doing a nice job. Uh, Andres Machado tossed two scoreless innings. Then came Davey Martinez, very interestingly, using Kyle Finnegan for the bottom of the eighth, but to face the bottom of the Cardinals lineup. So this was not an instance of Davey using his ace reliever, Kyle Finnegan, in a high leverage non-ninth inning spot. This was an instance of Davey essentially saying, hey, Kyle, uh, of what you did on Wednesday night, the 6-5 walk-off loss at the Cardinals, uh, we're going to use you in a different way on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Finnegan on Wednesday night pitched in a game for the first time since September 1st. He in a nightmare of a bottom of the ninth, allowed five runs and recorded just two outs. Uh, he on Thursday afternoon was good. He tossed a perfect bottom of the eighth, but the usage of Kyle Finnegan there certainly stood out. Uh, Jake McGee then came into the game as the game had become a blowout, and Jake McGee was not good. He could not finish out the game. Uh, Jake McGee was charged with two runs, got just one out. Uh, He came into the game in the bottom of the ninth with the Nats leading 11-4. He faced four batters, got just one out, giving up two singles and a walk. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. then came into the game in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded, one out, and the Nats leading 11-4. He gave up a one-out, two-run single to Corey Dickerson, but then got the final two outs of the game. A game, by the way, that ended up lasting for three hours, 57 minutes, a near four-hour nine-inning major league game. Uh, This is not good for the sport of baseball, but such was the case on Thursday afternoon. Next up for the Nats, a three-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Game one Friday night at 7.05, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two Saturday evening at 6.05, Eric Fetty will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three Sunday afternoon at 1.05, Anibal Sanchez will be the Nats starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 397, will be a Commander's post-game show installment of the podcast. In-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens in their regular season opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon at 1. What what will we be discussing 
on Monday's show. Also on Monday's show, we'll talk plenty of college football as we on Saturday have Maryland, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Navy all in action. The Terrapins are at Charlotte Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Hokies are home to Boston College Saturday night at 8. The Cavaliers are at Illinois Saturday afternoon at 4. The Midshipmen are home to Memphis Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And I, on Monday's show, will talk Nationals and Orioles. So the Nats this weekend have a three-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. The O's this weekend have a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday, and I'll talk to you on Monday. There it is. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.